right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another rendition of the Brethren Podcast. For our segments, our episodes that we like to deem cocktail combos, we sit down and have regular talk with people that we like to call success veterans. And uh, I'm going to pass it over to my co-host and colleague, Brother Destrian Wills, is uh, joining me today. And our success veteran that we have on is Mr. Bill Wealth himself, Mr. Jasper Smith. We going to help him uh, disrupt generational poverty. But Mr. Destrian Wells, why don't you introduce your good friend and colleague, Mr. Bill Wealth, a.k.a. Jasper Smith. Hey, man, I appreciate that. And what's up to everybody listening? It's definitely my distinct privilege and pleasure to introduce my brother, Mr. Jasper Smith, a.k.a. Mr. Bill Wealth. I'm sure he'll drop the handles on um, IG and how you can find him. But just a little bit of background, you know, um, I guess at this point I've known Jasper for probably about 13, 14 years. When I started my career in financial services, he was actually a part of a program. He had already been in a part of a program that I was joining at Lincoln Financial. And uh, I was told, hey, you got to meet this brother, Jasper Smith. He's really sharp. Uh, we argued about which HBCU was the best, of course, but it was very evident from the first day that I met him that the goals that he had for himself, he was going to crush them. And every year, I just watched him crush his goals, and he got better and better and better. Ultimately, he decided to leave. He decided to leave the organization and relocate, and he's ventured out on his own. He's a uh, he started some very interesting things, and as you heard AJ say, he's on a mission to disrupt generational poverty, right? And um, we wanted to sit down with him because I definitely consider him a success veteran. And we wanted to just have an open conversation, an open dialogue, kick it, you know, a few beverages before uh, the evening draws too long. I think it's probably midday where he is, so I'm sorry about that, bro. But um, with that, um, let's just get into the conversation. I would much rather him tell his story than me spoil it. So, AJ, you can kick it off. So let's do it. Mr. Smith, welcome to uh, the virtual uh, fireside, if you will, that is the Cocktail Combos with us. How you doing today, man? I am doing fabulous, man. This is a long time I'm coming, man. Long time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Almost is, definitely. Right, right before DJ got on, we, we was talking. It's like literally since the first day we launched, Brethren immediately definitely was like, yo, got to get my partner Jasper on out. But we were just like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And it was, we, you know, we wanted to, you know, start up first and then start bringing guests on, which honestly right now is we're just now starting to bring guests on. I think in our second, you know, our second season, we only maybe had on like one or two guests. Um, so now we're just now getting in the guests. So you, you are essentially, you know, in that first batch, you made it the first, first round ballot hall of fame type stuff. So we welcome you as we say cocktail combos. I do have some of the drinks here. Uh, I've got a, a nice beverage that is cold and a shot that I will reserve for the end of this conversation as I make a toast uh, to you and your success now as well. But I wanted to, I, I want to definitely steer the conversation towards what you do, uh, but, uh, you know, open up other avenues for us to just have a general conversation in, in, in general. But when we talking about generational poverty, you know, I, you know, that's, that's the other side of that coin that nobody hears. We hear a lot of people talking about generational wealth. Um, and it's, it, it, when you, when you put it in a frame in a framework, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, you're okay. Your, 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 your bills are paid right now. So building generational wealth is an attainable thing. But if you're literally all, all the way at the other end of the spectrum, you 
you know, we're, we're, we're looking at like, okay, you have generational poverty, but I want to pass to you and just kind of give us your definition of generational poverty and, and the framework and mindset behind, you know, what that means. And, and, you know, how, do, how, how do we get that from that end of the spectrum to the end of, you know, at least in the middle between generational poverty and generational wealth? Yeah, man. I don't know how much time we got, but we could talk for like a day or maybe two days or, or a whole week because <laughs> it's so much to unpack, which is why I even decided to do this, man. It was, it was a conversation I was having late last year. It was around the pandemic and how you saw certain communities and businesses thriving and others were shutting shutting the doors and so i was like okay there's a reason behind that and some things you you know you cannot control but there are a lot of things that are in our control that we aren't necessarily doing and so i thought i looked at the business landscape and i was like nah let's think about the individual who if you were still gainfully employed last year it was probably the best year for you to work on like paying off debt, investing and doing every, you know, you couldn't go nowhere. So you actually probably had money. And so what I was finding is some of the clients I was working with, they were like, well, I can't travel. So I got all this money in my savings account. And I was like, so what you going to do next? <laughs> so, and when you start asking people these questions and just sit back and listen, I'm like, oh, y'all don't understand how the game is being played. Like when, when there's, you know, blood in the streets, you need to, <laughs> need to be doing something, you need to be making purchases. And, and so I, I tried to think about like, what else could I be doing? Because I got tired of telling people I'm a financial planner, I'm a financial advisor, or I sell insurance, so I do investments. Like I just got tired of all of that. I, I, to this day, I still hate saying it, but I was like, like I got to get something that's going to be catchy in a way that you want to ask me, what does that mean? So I was having a conversation last right. year and somebody had mentioned this, this workshop I was doing and they were like, you know, poverty is one of those things you just, it just keeps happening over and over. It's like somebody needs to like interrupt it. And I was like, I don't like interrupt. I was like, nah, we need to disrupt it. <laughs> so I sat for like a month and a half and then I finally produced an article that's on my website and I was like, we got to disrupt generational poverty. Now, I don't know what that means to you, your family or what have you, but it's, it's a problem that I'm seeing over and over and over and it's it's all types of people it's not a black thing white thing asian it, it is you're seeing certain communities honestly just look at zip codes zip codes tell a very interesting story about wealth in this country somebody's zip code tells you a lot about them potentially where they went to school potentially their levels of health and so i started just be thinking a lot, man. I think a lot about these bigger, bigger ideas. And I was like, all we talk about is getting wealthy, getting rich. I was like, how about we flip it? Let's flip it and attack it from this other angle of what's stopping you and or your family from like being great financially. Like there's some, there's some issue that either you can't see or people just keep lying to you that needs to get addressed or that should have been addressed yesterday. And I'll give you a prime example. So as you all apply both aware, this, uh, the GameStop was one issue where people out of the blue were hitting me up. What do you think about GameStop? Should I be a day trader? And these people have never talked to me about financial anything, but you know, they just reached out to the brother who know a little bit about money. And I was like, this is weird. (laughs) I'm tired of y'all. Some off, some off, right? Some off. So, so this one, this one, this one brother, you know, and he's 
Uh, he's not a client yet, but we've been talking. So the first time we actually got to talk, I was like, why are you so interested in day trading or just investing? And he kind of tells me his story. And then I was like, let's Paul, let me ask you a couple questions. Like, I was like, are you married? I was like, do you have kids? He's like, yeah, I'm married. I got five kids. And I was like, all right, um, moment of truth here. I'm gonna ask you a very like specific question. And I just want you to be honest with me. And I was like, do you have any life insurance? And he was like, nah. I was like, okay. He's like, why'd you ask? I said, because I don't think day trading or, or anything else investing is really important. I know it's, it's sexy because the world is talking about it. I said, but I think if you die today, your family's going to be poor for a long time. You got five kids, wife ain't working. How do you think life is going to play out? And I just shut up and let him talk. And he rambled for like two minutes because he had no excuse. <laughs> so he was like, I mean, you an insurance guy. I was like, don't worry about me and what I sell. I just asked you a question. Now you get in defensive. And so what I started thinking is that's our problem with money is that it's that emotional connection. It's that, you know, it's those feelings. Your feelings should be disconnected from your balance sheet. That's all I'm going to say. Because if I see a balance sheet and the numbers look good, uh, I'm going to be happy. <laughs> I, don't need, I can't make no excuses. But if you tell me you got five kids, wife ain't working, you're the sole breadwinner, you got no life insurance, I don't think day trading is your top priority, sir. So, Jay, let me ask you a question around yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So the question I would have, uh, not necessarily to, to that person per se, but to the audience, mm-hmm. You know, if some people may not understand why that's a major issue, but you just kind of talked about what he has on his balance sheet as the sole quote unquote proprietor or entity that's providing the uh, financial resources or Mm -hmm. income for his family. That means that their property plan, equipment, all those things. So their home, their cars, everything, the college fund, all those things Mm -hmm. has to be a derivative of him. And if he's not appropriately allocating those resources, where are the checks and balances? So can you talk about how a balance sheet applies to everyday life and maybe like cash flow management or something like that? Yeah, yeah. And I won't even go that deep. I'll just say this. You need to track your success. And financially, we do not do that as individuals. Even some business people don't do it. They're just winging it, hoping they get lucky. And those are a lot of the businesses that went under last year (laughs) because they just won't checking up on what they were doing. And I'm not saying this is a thing you have to do every day of the week. It's just you got to put it, you got to build it into your system. It has to become a habit to where you just check. And if you can't do it on your own, you got to leave yourself reminders on your calendar or you got to hire what I call a money team. And that way you ain't got to think about it. Just know you're going to get that email. It's like, yo, it's time. And people aren't tracking their success. You know, and so what I what I find is, you feel like you're doing good. You feel like you're successful. You know, you may feel like you're living check to check, but I'm like, let's just take inventory. And so that's actually one of the first things I do with my clients. I'm like, let's just take inventory. I don't care what you want to talk about, what I can do, what I can't do. Just let's just, what have you done up until this point in time in your life? Because your past and your history is going to tell me the story that I need to know about you before we move forward in this planning relationship. And I always say relationship because I'm not, I'm not your fly by night. I'm going to sell you and leave you. Like, I actually care genuinely about seeing you reach these milestones. And so the balance sheet is that one of those quintessential pieces, just what you got right now. I don't care what you feel, how you think about it. You know, just show me. And, and what it does is it just helps 
to like break down some of these barriers and actually opens up a conversation because when you do the balance sheet, I'm like, now I can have an open conversation about why your savings is a little, it's a little, it's a little disappointing. It's a little light. It's a little light. I'm trying to be. It's a little light. It's cool. No, Jay. Um, one of the things that comes to mind when you talk about that, you and I discussed this, and we were both frustrated about some of these things. Maybe a year and a half back. This goes back even before the pandemic. Um, we talked about the fact that while you're offering these resources, oftentimes a lot of free information, free resources, we find that the people closest to us are, are often the most guarded and they don't want to allow you to help them take inventory. How do you how do you get beyond those barriers? How do you break that down so that the people in our community and beyond um, are a lot more comfortable sharing that type of information? Some of these people, and I'll be honest, you're just gonna have to love them for who they are and what they're not gonna do. And, that, and, and I put them in a, in a box, <laughs> in a category. And then, <laughs> Damn. Damn. and this is gonna be, sometimes it's gonna be your spouse, it's gonna be your brother, yeah. your sister, your cousin, your auntie, your godparent, your godfather. It's gonna be somebody very close who you respect, who's been there for you. But when you when you understand that they're missing this part, it's almost like <clears throat> I can't make them care more than me. And I have the same dilemma in my family. And, you know, one of my cousins had reached out to me, uh, it's been a couple of years now. She was like, cause I've been watching you. She was like, I don't think people understand that you actually know what you're doing. And I was like, I, I don't know what else I got to do. <laughs> I have been in the same industry since I was 21. I, I've tried to quit. I've tried to go sell other stuff and get out of the business but I keep getting drawn back in because money touches everything that we do. So for you not to have a, a decent relationship, that's what bothers me. Everybody not going to be a millionaire. And a lot of people don't want to be a millionaire. That's fine. But take care of your business. And what, whatever that means, get that done. So as I just stopped, you know, I'm going to go, you know, <laughs> next time I go home, I'm going to like, look, how y'all doing? Everybody healthy? I ain't gonna bring it up. I'm gonna let your guilt come out at some point in life. And if it never does, all I'm gonna do is keep rolling and I'm gonna keep showing you, like, here's what working with me could do for you because I'm helping complete strangers who are just open and honest. And don't you want that life? Like, don't you want that stress free life? Because when I talk to people, and I'm tested this too, when you talk to people, you start asking them about like what they want to have happen, like those dreams that, you know, those fantasies, all that kind of stuff. Nobody dreams about being in second place. Nobody dreams about being poor. Nobody dreams about not being able to retire when you want to. Nobody dreams about not being a landlord or owning commercial property. Nobody dreams about, uh, you know, not setting up a college fund. Nobody dreams about having a 500 credit score. Like nobody dreams about being mediocre. We all dream about being incredible, wealthy, rich, whatever you want to say but then the actions are just not lining up with those dreams. And I want people to live out those dreams because I'm seeing people do it. They dream about it, they fantasize, and then they put in the work and get it done. And it doesn't happen right away. So I, some things just, it's going to take some time because maybe you're in such a deep hole that we just got to get you, you know, a little bit higher in that same hole, but I can't get you out the hole <laughs> in two days. <laughs> it just don't work that way. So I got, I got you. You brought up you brought up a couple of good points. 
because um, DJ always says it as far as, you know, some opportunities that we, we, we're a part of. He always says, when he approaches people, especially people that we know, it's, you know, I, would, I wouldn't feel right not telling you about this or introducing you to this because if and when it does pay off, I don't want you to be able to come to me and say, I didn't tell you. You know, like, you know, Facts. right, bro. I, I, you know, I buy into a company early stages and I'm like, hey, you know, this, you know, I, I, I heard, I hear about Apple. And I'm like, hey, this company Apple is coming out. You need to get you a piece. But if I don't do that and then you come to find out, like, oh, you got rich off Apple. Why you ain't tell nobody? Oh, you keeping this? I don't want you to be able to say that. I don't like so when so that way you 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 remove that. Like, hey, I'm bringing it to your door. Yeah, take it or leave it. Because I don't want you to be able to say that I left you out of an yeah. opportunity. I mean, <clears throat> the biggest thing that I think a lot of people don't really get is, and it's the part that I think on our side we got to kind of get is, when it comes to opportunities, it's a doorway. We always look at it as a doorway. And some people just ain't ready for that door, or they're not mentally prepared for that door. You know, so like, it's like you ask, you, you can ask for it, you can believe in it, but you have to be ready to receive it. And I think that's the part, you know, on, on everybody's side, it's like sometimes the opportunity comes and that person ain't even ready for opportunity. They're not even in a position for opportunity. Um, but the word wealth, and I want to get both of y'all's opinions on it because this is a, a cocktail conversation. Uh, but the word wealth, and you said something, Jasper, that, that really stood out. It's like, you know, some people, you know, everybody don't want to be a millionaire. Everybody don't want to be, you know, lavish lifestyles. And, you know, some people want to be modest. Some people want to live well beneath their means. And, you know, just, you know, all my bills are paid. My kids are happy. My, you know, my wife is happy. We, we get fed. You know, just regular. So I think when it comes to the word wealth, and a lot of times people have this grand connotation, this grand image when you say wealth. is like, so from both of you all, Starting with you, uh, Jasper, is what is your definition of wealth? Man, look, I hate this question because, I, and I hate it because of how, <laughs> nah, man, for real, for real, because everybody I'm glad, asks this I'm glad you hate it. I hate, I hate it because I don't answer the question. I give you examples, and then I let yeah. you define it for yourself because yeah. the problem we're looking for is we're always looking for somebody else to give us the definition of what we think something is. That's the problem with that question. Again, I mean, but we Jasper, got dictionaries though. But we got dictionaries though. That's what facts. they thought. <laughs> so, so my definition means nothing to Destry. It means nothing. Yo, his definition could mean something totally different. But we all think that this is what wealth means to me. So, so when I think of wealth, I like giving. I, I've, I've learned to get. I've gotten good at giving examples because that's what's going to help solidify how you want to define it. I say wealth for me is. I got a kid and this is, you know, and I'm going to speak to poor, poor communities, people who, who don't come from like generational wealth. I, I want to think about like, when I have a kid, I want them to be able to take a gap year. That's an example, right? Because white kids do it all day long. Black kids, I got to go to work. I got to get a loan. Y'all know that y'all know the issue. Yeah, I got to join so, the military because you got to get right, out. Right. I got to do a work study. Even if you're just in this house. Correct. Even if you're just in this house. Right. So I think of, you know, my kids can go be free and explore who they are and school is always going to be there. So I think of wealth of giving the kids those types of options. I think of if I'm a business, I don't need the bank. I don't need to take out, a, you know, I don't need to go reach out to 
to a VC, uh, an angel investor, because maybe my family is my, my first investor. Like that's wealth to me. Wealth is when I'm ready to quit this nine to five, I'm just going to walk out knowing I'm Gucci. I think that's wealthy because if I don't need this job, why am I here? Especially if I'm not happy. So I think about those type of examples. I think about if, if I die today, yo, family's good. Kids can go to school. Wifey doesn't have to remarry because she needs the money and somebody's social security check. She got money now. So she, you know, or whoever, like that's, <laughs> I'm just, this is why people remarry. It ain't because, yeah, you might need a little loving. We got that. But like most people remarry after a spouse dies because they ain't got no money. That's, that's the. I need that lifestyle. Right? Yeah, I need to maintain it. I need that second, because, I need that second income. That, that, that's what you're replacing. You know, it's, oh God, man, it, it's, y'all mentioned like, I want to get into a company pre-IPO. <laughs> you only got, only the wealthy people get into those conversations. Poor people never get a chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, the crowdfunding rules have helped. It, it's not even close to leveling the playing field, but it's letting us get in the door. The door is cracked right now. True, because there are a lot of people who can't afford the minimum of, well, a lot of cases, a lot of cases is a minimum of 500. Some is 250, and that lowest one, they might be doing 100. Some places yeah. might be doing 50 now, and that's just, and then still again, we have to acknowledge that there are people who cannot even afford that $50 or that $100 right. because if it ain't going to flip within a certain period of time, they need that. Right, right. That's, well, a, that, that's a cell phone bill yeah. that's, you know, that's, that, go, that goes without being paid or something like that. So it's like, like you said, it, 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 ain't, it, ain't, it ain't accomplishing everybody. Yeah, what wealth is, you know what, we got to get away and we leaving tomorrow. That's wealth. You just get up and leave. I don't care about my schedule. Mm. Like, Well, I know people say options and freedom, but I just started giving examples because I'm like, I think the examples you can relate to better as opposed to me. Yeah. Giving some, Never looking at a price tag. Just yeah, just, just taking stuff, picking stuff up, taking it to the counter. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's what I'll leave. You don't care if it ain't going to sell. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's DJ. Right. What's up, boy? What, what, what's your definition of wealth? Because I, I got to change my now that Jasper has, has you know, has, has made he's enlightened you. He's enlightened me. You know, yeah. you know, I, I was all, you know, I was my, my wealth, my, my definition of wealth. I guess the assets and the liabilities, of course. No, not not so not so cutting dry, but more so like the spiritual. It's like yo, you know, as long as you're happy, and it, it is, it does accomplish that. It's like, like I, you know, I, I always see, I watch a lot of documentaries, and I will see, you know. People in what we consider third world countries, um, but you know, their whole entire families live together. Their whole entire families work and provide for the family. They, you know, they don't have a lot material, but they're happy. They're loving. So, in my eyes, they hold they hold a portion of wealth. But you know, I'm pretty sure those people would want more. So then, you know, so it's, it's it's that balance there. So, but my my definition was was always well, not always, but Lately, it's been, you know, a, a bigger chunk of, you know, the mental and spiritual aspects of wealth versus the material aspects of wealth. It's like, you know, are you really, you know, if you got everything, like, you know, the, we, we always had it. We've had the conversation plenty of times, like, you can have everything in the world and still be unhappy. So are you still wealthy? Yeah. And it's like, well, you can be the happiest person in the world and not have anything, but so are you wealthy? So, so for for me, it's kind of similar to Jasper. And if you even go back to maybe like season one of our podcast and we started talking about, you know, how do you begin to break down barriers to generational wealth? 
we never really reversed it and talked about it from the standpoint that Jasper's talking about it. But for me, wealth is really a series of habits. And you can, Jasper talked about taking that inventory and getting that balance sheet on a, on a client or friend or person, whomever, right, that he's working with. And it's almost like going to the doctor. They pull some blood work. You can say you've been working out, eating right, doing all these things, but the devil's in the details. That blood work comes back and it's just like, come on, fam. You know, it's the same thing with your habits. Your habits are going to dictate whether you're capable of ever becoming wealthy, whether you come from wealth or not. Wealth is a habit forming exercise because you can get it. If your habits are bad and you don't have protection, you can lose it. So, I'll just I'll lean on this three legged stool that I've used in the past is liquidity, longevity and legacy. How effectively and efficiently can you address those three life issues? And if you can address those things with ease, I think that lends itself to would lead me to say that this individual is likely a person who has accumulated or built some significant wealth. Now. You can also put those three buckets into emotions, right? So you talked about being happy. The legacy piece for most people is often ignored, but that's the portion that can really have the most lasting impact, especially as it relates to happiness. You have the opportunity to change the trajectory of generations. And so when Jasper talks about insurance and things of that nature, and this, um, this client that he had that had five kids and was looking to day trade, that money should have absolutely been first thought about in terms of securing and investing for his family. True. So, you know, <laughs> you, 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 you give me to a new conversation. I know. Oh, both come on, of y'all come on, football. come on, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Jump. Around financial services. And I ain't talking about bank telling. I'm talking about the, 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 the uh, a little bit a little more more up than that, you know. It's not we're not talking about bank tellers. It's not the, you know uh, down bank tellers or anything like that. Uh, but when we talk about financial services, we talk about people that are in rooms that are, that decisions are made, uh, you know, on a larger scale. Um, so work hard until expenses become cheap. Is is what the shirt says, Jasper. My question is, what do we do? When once that happens, is that you know? Once you once expensive becomes cheap, is is that is that the, is that the plateau? Nah. And then I got another follow up <laughs> question after that. <laughs> or, or, or or do things get or is there another level? Because we we've all been exposed. We've all been exposed to some 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 rich people, and then we've been exposed to some wealthy people. And it's like rich people is like, oh yeah, you know, you got some, got some, you know, you got some Benzes, got tailor made suits, you know, you you know, you smoking Cuban cigars, things like that, fine wines and champagnes, expensive dinners, Ruth Chris, things like that. And then you got the wealthy people where it's like, it's almost as if money doesn't exist on that level because expensive, what we think is expensive, no, what they think is expensive, they might even think it's expensive. We think it's ridiculous. It's like. Oh, you drive a $500,000 car for fun that, you know, like Elon Musk is, a you know, you know, those type people, super billionaires, you know, multi-millionaires, where they can go do things for fun. And most people are like, I thought that was a job. Like, oh, 
I'm going to go build a spaceship because I want to go to space. It's like, oh, I thought only astronauts went to space because that's their job. It's like, oh, yeah. So <laughs> working hard until expensive becomes cheap. Is that, is that the plateau? Should, is that where we should aim? Because uh, where does it go from? Where, what's the next step after expensive becomes cheap? Yeah. So, so, so two things. So one, you're not comparing yourself to somebody else. That's the first thing. Mm. I, I, I wear this shirt all the time. Say, 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 say it again. Say it again. Say it again. You are not comparing yourself to anybody else. And that is the toughest <laughs> thing for people to swallow is uh, who was it? It was, I think it was Dr. Boyce Watkins. I, I was following him. I still follow him. And it was something years ago. He said he was like, you know, you know, his problem is with, <clears throat> you know, black folks. He was like, we are here trying to catch white people. <laughs> he was like, how about this? He was like, how about, and I love the analogy because, you know, it's, it was culturally relevant. He was like, black people run track. And he's like, we're very fast. Like we can just, we dominate all this stuff. If you are black or like we dominate, he said, but you know, relay, relay teams and shout out to NCA and Tiga, they track team is killing the world, but I digress. But the four by one, the four <laughs> by one, he was like, when you get that baton, if you glance at the person beside you, you just might lose because that's how close it could be at the end of the race. But when you hand off the baton, it needs to be solid. And if you're just focused on handing off the baton, the next person can take it and run with it. And that's what generational wealth is, right? You did all you could on your borrowed time on this earth and you hand it off to, you know, either your spouse and your kids or whoever, and they do the same thing. You run your leg of the race. That's your lifespan. Run your race as, as solid as, you know, be in perfect form. And when you about to go out of here, <laughs> leave some instructions with your estate plan and hand off that baton in the proper format, in the proper way. We, we got to stop looking to our left and to our right and getting caught up in social media because we just got to focus. And what do we want to do that is expensive right now? And when that thing, whatever it is, and I don't care how outlandish it is, when that becomes cheap for you, you have arrived. Now, is that your plateau? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but I don't care. If you are, if you have gotten to that point in your life where you were like, man, I really wish I could fly first class. And now if you're just flying first class, you're like, hmm, that's cheap now. That's Maybe that's it for you. I have people to this day who still have never flown, flown first class or business class. And I'm like, oh, it's worth the investment. <laughs> Lord believe me. When I fly to North Carolina to California. Hey, you got a whole bottle of water. I'm telling you. Hey, look, I love <laughs> saying, Mr. Smith, what will you be having? I said, look, keep this drink coming. If you ever see my cup empty. Right. That's, that's worth it, my investment. It's the experience. Is I think it's the experience of yes. And <laughs> I think we've been, we've been deprived um, systemically, but also self-inflicted for, for years of just being able to say yes, because we say, we say yes to the wrong things and no, um, well, we say yes to the wrong things. We also say um, no to the wrong things. We should be saying yes to things like life insurance. So I don't know if you guys, uh, not to big up another um, podcast, but uh, on I Am Athlete, I watched the head of wealth management for UBS for their and entertainment and athletes division, Wale. He says, uh, he said that the problem in our community and, and many communities, not just ours, so I want to be clear, but specifically talking to uh, you know, our culture, we tend to flow money up instead of flowing money down. 
And to Jasper's point, you know, if if you're going to make a unceremonial exit, you know, I've recently experienced some of that in my family, but there were some provisions in place. So it makes that process a lot less stressful. It also doesn't put the onus on the children or the family to flow money up. Money is flowed down, even if it's just to take care of your final expenses. And if you can leave somewhat of a legacy, that's even better. I don't think we truly understand the way that wealth has been traditionally built in this country. But, but before, you know, there were these uh, these these jobs that the masses could earn tremendous amounts of money. Life insurance was a safe haven of building wealth. And from an estate planning standpoint, and Jasper can talk more about it than me, the tax benefits are enor- enormous. And if you can put it into an estate, it continues to pass down, Great. pass down, pass down and grow. Great. And I think that, you know, a small investment in estate planning to set up generations of your family, literally generations, um, you know, an estate can say, well, DJ, you know, if, if something happens to your mother, you can get this. However, X percentage has been held out for your son or your daughter. And if they have kids, percentages have been held for them. And if they don't use it, this money can be used in the following way. Estate plans are not very difficult to come by. It just requires a little bit of initiative to sit down with someone and you can literally call the shots from beyond the grave. And it might behoove you to do that because your life experiences will have led you to a place that you can correct some things in your family, especially if you're the matriarch or the patriarch of your family, it just doesn't make sense for us not to take advantage of these things because we're talking about nominal nominal amounts of money, less than what you would spend a week on Starbucks to secure your family. And our issue is we're accustomed to flowing money up as opposed to flowing money down. And I would say that, uh, we need to start getting comfortable saying no, right? Saying no to those things that are not productive. That person who always needs another $20. It might hurt in the beginning, but for that father of five, who's the sole provider for that household, can he really afford to be out trying to take care of other adults that are abled body and well? I mean, those are, those are con that contribute to generational poverty and is an impediment to generational wealth. So, you know, I think obviously education is one way. And I know that we all have platforms that are attempting to serve that purpose. But Jasper, what would you say for families? You know, I think AJ kind of asked, they don't really, they don't have that foundation. They didn't come from that. Can you talk a little bit about what was your your Mm -hmm. journey in terms of coming to grips with this is what I want in my life um, from a, not only just from a financial standpoint, but holistically, here's what I want my life to look like. Because I think sometimes people get off put a little bit, Hey, these guys are talking about money. You know, they seem to be doing okay, but you know, uh, a decent amount of money comes with a decent amount of responsibility and problems, but you didn't always start there. You know, I know what they paid us first year in that program. (laughs) Um, So, but but real quick, even more importantly than that, because you, I want to add in the fact, like, well, exactly what you just said, DJ, but like, 
Jasper says generational poverty, and I speak for myself. I didn't come from poverty. I have seen poverty. I know what poverty looks like, but me personally, I did not grow up at any point in my life where we poor. Yeah, AJ, AJ's dad has had four jobs. It wasn't even that. <laughs> it was just, the it, but then I look at it from Pulled the privilege the of the time period that we grew up in, you know, the the nineties is when I was my whole the nineties was my whole yeah. entire childhood, but it, the middle class existed then. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, That's facts too. I went to That's me and my too, sister yeah. went to private school a couple of years. You know, well, not a couple of years for a good portion of our lives. You know, we then then outside of that, my my mother works on campus. She she ran a program where there the the sole purpose of the program, upper bound program, was to take first generation possible first generation college students. Uh, so if your parents didn't go to college or one of your parents didn't go to college, you were able to get into this program where they brought you on campus on the weekends, tutored you, came to your schools during the weekend, tutored you to make sure that you were doing well and passing your classes. They paid you to come on Saturdays. And then every summer you got to live on campus, take college level courses, and then you would go on a trip and everything is paid for. So, <clears throat> you know, I didn't grow up in poverty, but then when we talk in this conversation with people, who are actually in poverty, if they're listening or if they do come across things like this, it's like, okay, we hear the Starbucks analogy, but it's like, we talk, you might be, when we talk about generational poverty, we're talking about people who like, I can't afford no damn Starbucks. And for I mean, the, look, I, I, even I, at my, I, even I, at I me and my point, I'm like, AJ, I hear you, but I, 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 I don't buy, I don't buy, I challenge you on this. Wealth is oftentimes very quiet. Like, I ride through neighborhoods, right? I ride through neighborhoods. Um, when I go to neighborhoods where the homes are in excess of, let's say, $750,000. Now, on the East Coast and Oakland, we can get there pretty quickly. But in general, you start talking about three quarters of a million dollars. You're talking about a hefty uh, a home payment, right? Out front, Honda Civic, um, Highlander, you know, just... just Simple, right? Um, Typical live, cars. Yeah, I live in I live in a reasonable neighborhood, you know, or brownstones or what have you. But I can promise you, turn turn the corner on my block, and you know, I I drive a I, I drive a decent car, but my all my neighbors. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> you trying to breeze over that? I, I drive a decent hold on, car. Hold on, hold on. I drive a decent let me, car. Let me let me pause. Let me pause this right here. Let me let me let me, fin- let me finish first before you before no, you do what you're doing. Pause. No, seriously, seriously. No, it's, it's important. It's important. You I drive fix. a Benz. Hold on. I, I've been driving one since I graduated, though. That's the thing. Now I. When I first got it, I probably had to grow into my car payment. But again, understanding credit, money, whatever, if I'm going to pay $4 more for my Maxima and I can get my Mercedes because I put myself in a position credit-wise where it's going to cost me the same thing. And that's the thing. Again, everybody doesn't pay the same thing for the same thing. That's what that's what I'm getting to. But those individuals are reallocating their money to their homes as an investment. But what I am willing to um, bet you, the vast majority of people buying those lattes, those $9 coffees, can't afford them. It is a status thing. It's gamification. And corporations are great at it. If You need to have this experience. So while a lot, 
lot of those people should be saying no to that Starbucks and maybe making some coffee before they leave home. They're going to go get that Starbucks because it's part of their day. I had to learn to cut things out of my day. You know, I would tell you, hey, man, I just got off work. And Jasper knows this, too. Downtown Philly, we get off. You got to walk by 30 bars before you get to your apartment, your home or whatever. You'll stop. You'll stop for 30, 40 minutes. and You're out one hundred and fifty dollars. And so I moved to Delaware and I started making different decisions. The money that I was spending drinking, I started saving. Like it's just reallocation. And I think things are sometimes just that simple, but simplicity becomes complex because it's habits going back to habits. I have to stop at Starbucks on my way to work. They, I people are praying that their card doesn't decline just so they can get Starbucks. I promise you this. I've had these conversations and I'm like, is it really that good? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just got to have it. Same thing with me when I was going to the bar as much as I was going. I didn't have to go. It was just, I'm on the way home. It's something to do. Something to do always costs you money until you're doing something for yourself. Like investing in yourself is the best investment that you can make. Investing in your family. Like, so those things are are vastly different. So in today's society, what I'm saying is that Starbucks is a norm. In years past, growing up in the 90s or what have you, yeah, it was, you're splurging if you went out just to buy coffee. You made coffee. Now it's, who makes their own coffee? And if you do, you got a $200 machine at home doing it. I mean, it costs money to do basic things. And some of these things we have to say no to if we want to move the needle. That's all I'm saying, bro. Now you can talk. You can talk shit about me. I was gonna answer both of y'all questions. <laughs> no, I did. We ain't gonna be that. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, yeah, Jay. You go ahead and talk. You go ahead and talk, Jay. Look, I like being very real. Man, oh, you know, you know, you know, I just call this well. Oh, we also put gas in it. Like, no, man, come on, man. We we already know you're doing good, and I will always bring up your Zoom picture. You sit there in your in your white top tuck. With your, with your glass of fine, fine yak, lotion. with the, with the red bottle shoes on. Lotion ankle. The key is, listen, if you see a black man with a lotion ankle, he's wealthy. Well, Point blank like here, right? I was attending a wedding. <laughs> hey, listen, I don't care. I don't care what you was attending. I don't you see a black man. Right. From now on, when I see both of y'all, y'all better be ashy at all times. I will literally pull listen, my phone out listen, and start making a video. About listen, it. my wife will tell you. I, don't, I, I Look, it got to be a special occasion for you to put lotion on areas that you can see. Okay? Oh, my God. That's, that's bowls and kneecaps. Yeah, hey, Tripping, listen. Bro. My skin is my skin is naturally luxurious. Now with time that may change, but as of right now, I'm blessed, brother. I'm blessed. Hey, y'all, y'all I have a me. natural glow. Hey, look, hey, look, look, look. That's right. I was gonna say one. I think I went on a hiatus from happy hour when I moved to Cali. Like I literally went to happy hour. <laughs> right. yo, yo, when I say I was there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like it was like, yo, this is crazy. And that alone is a story that I share in my money management and budget workshops. Where I was like, yo, I went to happy hour, like it was like going to school and like you said Same. well i was trying to pull some things i had my southern draw i was like i know i'm sh- sh- let's go get it let's go get a buy around for everybody i mean it was like okay that's not smart <laughs> so, so you had that element um the, the, the car thing is also interesting because so my car got totaled last october and i, I drove i drive i 
that I drove. I used to drive a Honda Civic. And that was the same dynamic of, and this has been part of the issue for me is because I've been in this industry, people are like, well, Jasper, why don't you have like a Benz or an Ack or a, you know, where's your big Mm -hmm. body? Where's your big body car? And I was like, well, one, I live in the Bay Area where traffic is trash. Uh, I like getting on BART. Sometimes I like to walk. Like, it was like, I don't have to have this car to please you. But if you want me to have the Benz, the Beamer, the Porsche, please give me all the money for the car payment and for the maintenance. Like, right, I got right. friends who drive these cars. They'd be like, yo, man, one wheel was pretty much me getting four wheels for my Civic. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Even if you got the money, because even at some point, it, it ain't about trying to look a certain way because you either want the look and feel of money or you actually got it. And it's okay that you live this luxurious lifestyle. And that's mm-hmm. the, the latter is the problem with our world is people don't got it. <laughs> they hate balling. And they go get it anyway. Go get it anyway. And then you're like, um, why do you have all this? Like, I give, I give you a real, real life example. So a uh, client of mine, they're in tech, made great money and bought a brand new souped up Tesla. Like I think hubby already had one, wifey wanted one souped up tesla y'all know me in the pandemic right so now they got two teslas sitting outside a rented house and i was like <laughs> how does this you know and i i, I jammed people up because i just i just want to know what you were thinking and what they said was they're like i don't think it was the best move but she wanted it I, I said yo you want it great i got it you want it it's done you know maybe in a couple years when your stock options vest like y'all can pay off all that debt because right now Y'all got so much debt, it don't make no sense. So you, you start hearing these conversations and then you're like, why don't y'all get it? And so AJ, to your point, or I think Dexter said it, like part of my journey is I've, I've just watched my parents. So AJ, I ain't grew up poor. I'm a privileged black kid. I'm the youngest of three. And I've talked to my parents, you know, and I've talked to them consistently about the stuff that I've been doing and every like talk or speech that I've done or video, like I send it to them. My mom be like, you think you know a little something. I'm like, but y'all t- taught me some of these basic lessons that I don't think they were that hard to understand that it was the right thing. You know, so I understand that I got information from a credible source. So let me first say that. And so my um, pops retired, uh, it's been like four or five years. And this is, this is the life that I, I try to share with people when I talk about why I think planning is important. And I don't care how you build your wealth because I also want, again, we want the answer. How do I build wealth? It could be real estate. It could be businesses. It could be working a nine to five. And maybe you got some options. Like it, it could be a number of ways you can actually get there. But I said, here are the problems that I want in life when I'm old. And I called my dad two weeks ago. And I was like, he was in the car. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, man, look, it was raining in the last couple of days. And my family, my, my parents, they're back in North Carolina. So I was like, what's wrong? He was like, man, it was raining. I'm trying to figure out what lake I can go to to go fishing. Swear to God, this is rich people proud, old rich people proud. He said, that's life. That's, 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 that's good, good life. He said, if I came back and down the ramp, you know, it's a, it's a struggle to get my boat in the water. So I'm, he literally he was like, I already went to one lake. I'm going to drive around for a few more hours to see where me and your uncle go fishing later today. And I was like, <laughs> I want those problems. Wake up. And my only job is to figure out where I'm going fishing. 
That's what uh, that's what, what Pastor Troy said. The hardest decision I got to make is which car I'm going to take when I skate. I'm riding big, ho. Yeah, that was them, them kind of problems. Them kind of problem is is, and, and That's what, you, you, you I, I think some people think they're so those. so 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 far fed, which I do. You sacrifice to create those, right. though. Like these are, it's the right. same. It's the same thing. Like when you 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 choose a significant other or whatever, you get to choose. You do get to choose what problems you have in life. Yeah. You know, like I tell people all the time, you know, you get a choice in this, right? And so many times we just let life just kick the shit out of us. Like, I'm just going to let life happen to me. Nah, not me, bro. I'm not doing that. that. That's, that's the problem, Deshaun. That, that's exactly yep. the problem. So, and I, and I asked my parents this straight up. They grew up in the West End and Durham. And Durham, like everyone is being, like the West End and Durham has been gentrified like most metropolitan cities, right? And so I was like, how did y'all figure it out? Grew up in the same neighborhood, but yet y'all had this great, like incredible success. And my mom and dad said one word that to this day, this is why I, like, I grew up in a household of tough love because they grew up poor. And I was like, I don't like that shit. Like that, that's not appealing to me. I don't celebrate the struggle. I laugh at it because like y'all experienced it. I didn't, but they were like, we had an expectation. And I was like, yo, stop, give me more. Like, you can't just say that, dumb. like, come on, it's gotta, he's like, no, no, no. We grew up poor and we said, if we ever had kids that we would do things different now we didn't know what that meant at the time but they had my sister when like 19 and 20 pops pops hadn't even gone to med school my dad's a retired physician AJ, just so you know so like he he was giving me that game from like the doctor physician lens he was like man it's a cold word i hit for brothers especially in the medical profession back when they launched their company and so this is why i had this entrepreneurial spirit because it's literally in my blood like literally uh, my brother's the same way. He's a, he's a general contractor in North and South Carolina. Just closed a big ass deal like two weeks ago. Like we we were doing this because that was our example. Like I was told to go corporate. I was told to go corporate because it would be easy. My dad was like, you can get somebody else to pay for your education. You're going to learn some things. They're probably going to like hit you with some racial stuff. They probably won't pay you what you're worth. And he just went down this laundry list. He said, but entrepreneurship, he was like, Oh, you're going to have some days you think your life's going to get cut off. Your wife's going to be mad at you. She said, he said, but when you start rolling, she ain't going to say nothing. But yes, honey, what you want for dinner? Because you taking care of me and these kids. I'm the third one. So Pops had figured it out by the time I came around. My mom was like, he's a good dude. <laughs> he's my example. Take care of your business. If you have kids, I think you're doing your kids a disservice if you don't mm. try to be better in life. Unless you got a drug habit, you an alcoholic <laughs> or some mental yeah. imbalance. Like you got give me give me a real good clinical excuse, you know, PTSD from being in a war. Give me something that's that's tangible because I'm talking to able-bodied people yeah, in yeah. their right mind who yeah. are making a conscious decision not to do better. And bro, in in a world and in an environment that is more accessible to everyone everyone and and you have people you know the for 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 a very long time the lack of representation and we still need more but if you if you can search instagram you can find content from people who look like you talking about the things that should matter to you and one of the things that i really hear in your conversation we had a previous episode we talked about breaking barriers, right? Or breaking cycles. And I think that conversation 
that you're able to have with your father is key. We talked about just not lying to kids. Let them know where the bodies are buried, the skeletons that are in the closet. Help them avoid these pitfalls. And so many times we let life teach our kids. You'll learn. You'll learn from experience. Experience is the most expensive teacher you can pay. And you're paying with time. That's the problem. You're paying with your time. Man, look. And I don't think we understand that enough. And I mean, just a salute to your, your pops for, for really sharing game, because I think that's a huge factor in your success, um, in the success of people um, like AJ, uh, like myself, with my moderate amount of success and, and so many others. But I just had someone that was willing to be honest with me sit me down and really talk about what was real, what was going on and the things that I would have to overcome. So I, I had no, I didn't glorify corporate America when I came in. I already knew what I was walking into. I was, I was very aware. I don't know if you remember this Jasper, but I may have just talked to uh, Deese about it. I don't know if you still keep up with Deese. Yeah, or not, but, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, Deese doing some major things. I got to get him on too, but my first week on the job <laughs> right there in Radnor, I had a uh, a training, you know, when you would come in, they would do these long one-on-one days. Hey, we're going to teach you the product. Here's the script, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you would have to do a pitch back. And so I, I did my pitch back. This is like a, and I'm, this is just real raw, straight up. White gentleman, probably about 47, 49 years old, if I can remember correctly. I'm like 22 at the time, 23, maybe. He goes, that boy that boy, he might be all right. He's a good boy. And I don't even know if he, looking back, whether he meant something by it or not, but where I'm from, it's just, it was a trigger for me. I've been in corporate all of five days. I closed that conference room door on him. And I was like, hey man, where you see a boy at? And it was a problem immediately. He was like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. And I'm like, no, no, no. Answer the question. Where do you see a boy? At? He was like, no, I didn't mean anything by it. I didn't mean it. I couldn't, have, I couldn't have gotten away with anything of that nature. All you had to do was say, I didn't mean anything by it. Even seeing the gap close on things like that happening in our industry is a step forward. But man, that was 15 years ago now. So it's taken 15 years just to close a gap where you're coming in corporate America where someone, basically my colleagues felt like they were in their living room and I was coming as a guest. Right. And now I feel like a lot, especially before the pandemic, a lot of my colleagues felt like, Oh shit, I'm starting to have to really share this space. So we have to continue to make strides, but I bring that story up to let people know, like make no bones about it. Going the corporate route offers you uh, an opportunity to wear some decent clothes to work, but it's no different of an environment than you're going to get elsewhere. Actually, in a lot of ways, it's worse because it's hidden and it's held against you in silence. And so, you know, big salute to you, man, uh, for putting putting in the work and really laying some foundational things because I was in the class that came right behind you. And because I affiliated myself with you and, and brothers like Deese and Shesley and, and those brothers, people took me more seriously because I felt like they felt like you guys were the upper echelon. And it was, well, 
what you call hell, I call home. So I'll just come in here and I'll work all of y'all. And look, I, I think and it's and it's easy. That that experience was it was so wonderful at that point in my life because I'm a fiery dude and I've always been this way. And I think it was just like a blessing. It was in the, it was supposed to happen this way that, you know, my first manager was a, was a sister. I love Kim to me and Kim talk. Like she's like, Jasper, you out there doing it. You'd be running your mouth. Like Kim was like, you had that energy when we brought you, when we brought you in here. And I think they put me on her team on purpose because I learned the game from the lens of a black female who just wasn't getting the, the love she deserved on that sales floor. And, and I immediately dissected that, that whole sales floor. It was like, yeah, I can't, I, I can't be successful here. I'm relying on somebody else to dictate my success. And so I, I stayed in touch with Kim, you know, Byron has been rocking with me, you know, I, he's been following. He's like, bro, you, you still doing it. You know, Byron bought my book when I first launched. He was like, bro, I want to support you. Like people, they, they know that I had that energy at 22. You know, you came to the class without Randall. I got Randall in. Like he was, yeah. I, literally, I was like, Randall, here's how you get through the interview. Randall got in, y'all killed it. And all I said to people is that we need people on the outside and on the inside. If we're going to yes. penetrate financial services, it ain't all or nothing. It's and. I need the corporate people and I need the entrepreneurs and I need the activist people. And like, we need all these people and just stay in your lane. Like, <laughs> I don't want your job. There's, there's millions of people. I ain't worried about trying to take no, you know, everybody going to eat. Everybody can eat. But we still have the crap and a barrel mentality, which still plays us to this day, which is unfortunate. You know, this whole corporate stuff with the killings, just like, you know, a few of us are getting into this diversity and inclusion stuff, which it looks good. It's, it's good for the optics. But I'm like, y'all can give us some real leadership positions. Y'all can give us like some control over these companies. And I think companies are doing just enough to like keep us quiet, which is why you need like the people on the outside. Like, yo, y'all, y'all on that bull. Y'all gonna let us paint streets. <laughs> but y'all ain't giving us no money, you know, um, I'm sure you all saw the United Negro College Fund got their first what black? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even yeah. know that. I I wish I was, I was like, floored, man. yo, I lost my shit. I said, <laughs> I said I love allies like the next person. I said, but that one oh that one hit me. I I screenshot. I said, yeah, wow, we can't even pay. To yeah. We ain't got no wealth. That's that's what wealth is, AJ. The fact that everybody else has to help us because we still can't support. We can't self-fund anything. We're always, I got my hand out. I, need, I got to go ask for help. I got to go ask for money. I'm like, what? What? Just, that's wealth. Wealth, wealth, is, wealth is an ex-wife who got stock options who starts cutting checks. And y'all know where I'm going with this because A&T got 45 mil from Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. Shout out to Amazon. Y'all can never say anything yeah. bad about them. You got some money too. My sister. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, you will never say nothing bad about Amazon. A bunch of people got some money. I don't care what you feel about Amazon and their working <laughs> conditions. I would love them. They 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 put money up. I can turn my T. Hey, look. 45 million. Now, a few people got sick. I mean, that's just the reality of the world we live in. And when you come at people with kind of what I just said, we get defensive. We start saying that's not right. And I said, do y'all understand how this country was built? I'm not a historian buff, but when I look at history, this is why I don't get into like political arguments. I said both, both parties have screwed us over, first off. Second off, we always switching 
to the person or to, to the party that we think is going to save us. Ain't nobody coming to save us. They haven't saved us yet. I don't know what, why you keep thinking somebody else is going to do this work. And this is part of why my father talked about being an entrepreneur. He was like, I don't think nobody's going to save me. So if, I, if I'm not willing to get dirty and go out here and do this work to take care of my family, like the way I want to, then I'm a really terrible dude. I'm a horrible father. <laughs> I'm a horrible businessman. He said, because I can't figure out how to support my family, then why am I here? And I know that's a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow, but that's the reality is that we're not doing the things that can break these generational curses. And I don't know who's going to step up in, in your family or the, these communities that I speak with. I'm like, are you going to be the person or are you going to keep making excuses? Exactly. You tell me, because I'm seeing people out here winning and they're not making noise. They just, it's working. And again, they're working real hard to the expensive becomes cheap. And they're like, well, how'd they do it? Oh, they sold out. Well, you won't support them. So I guess they had to sell out. Uh, so what are we talking about? I love to see people say you to sell out. I'm like, please show me how you have supported me aside from giving me an opinion. You ain't giving me no clients. I ain't getting no referrals. You, I told you in that post on social media to hit the share button and your dumb ass hit like. You can't even read. I said share. That helps me with SEO optimization. Like and don't do nothing for the algorithm. I can't even give it to you on a platter to help me. And then I, I'm selling out because somebody's paying me money. Okay, what are we talking about, we talking man, bro? About? Let let me uh, let me <laughs> let me ask you how you, how you feel about this because I actually had this conversation um, with my wife a couple of weeks ago. We were we were driving, and she was talking about you know the crab in the barrel mentality, and I told her I said you know I don't use that as often as I used to. I understand the connotation of it, but if I could paint this picture for you, tell me what are your thoughts. See, I don't necessarily know at this juncture in my life if I see it the same way that I used to, because I had to think about one thing. What environment do crabs naturally belong in? It is not a barrel. So if they are trying to claw or climb, naturally one would pull on the other because that's not their um, that's not their ecosystem. That's not the environment that they're meant to thrive in. And I think that we tend to we tend to use that verbiage towards each other when if we just pause for a second and again it's just my opinion please play play devil's advocate we pause for a second many many of our constituents are sometimes in situations aj alluded to like how the middle class is kind of evaporated right before our very eyes i think that when you have like housing projects being one, when you put a group of people who have little to nothing together, they naturally take from each other. And I don't know if that's them organically or innately pulling each other down, but systemically they've been conditioned to do so because of proximity. And I think environment, you know, is nature and nurture. What's in you is gonna come out, but it also matters how you're how you're nurtured along the way because I grew up I'll just be real like you know our first crib you know when my mom uh, first ventured out on her own and and she was a single mother at the time before she remarried our first crib was in a um in a part of town the name of it bro was called Crack City 
okay? Crack City. Do you know that my mother wielded the type of respect with her work ethic and just her voice? I had drug dealers telling me, hey, man, that street light is on. You need to go home. No one sold outside of my mom's house. It was off limits. If I was doing something wrong, even the local drug dealers was like, hey, man, you know, your mom don't play that. You got to you gotta chill. You know, we may have lived there for maybe two or three years. But my experience there was more communal <laughs> than it was almost anywhere else. But some people have codes that they live by. And I think we've gotten away from that. Like We used to protect ourselves. Women and children were protected. If I don't have a problem with you, I'll never bring any smoke to you. We don't shoot in crowds, no innocent bystanders, all these things. I think we've gotten so far away from principles that we're in a situation where I think it has perpetuated our financial condition because the principles are being locked away in terms of our husbands and fathers. And then we're leaving, you know, our, our, our women to fend for themselves and not that they're not capable because they are sometimes very much more than uh, many of us are, but it leaves that disconnect because who's going to have that conversation with you, Jasper, about the experience as a male entrepreneur to inspire you to go do it. Now you got to rely on a football coach or whatever, or a teacher, whomever we have to be present in our households and we have to be a voice and we have to be more principled. But even from, you know, our humble beginnings, that same word that you used earlier, my mother had expectations of me and the people around us. My son's off limits, period. My house is off limits, period. You do what you do, just don't do it here. No problem. And it is different. And so when I talk to people and we really get into things and we're talking about, hey, man, you know, where you come from? And, you know, how did you grow up? How did you start to learn about money? I learned about my, I learned about money because my mother ultimately ended up seeing the world through the military. You know, she retired after 35 years, similar to what you were saying. I would call my mom and ask her, hey, what are you doing today? I'm just trying to figure out if I'm going to go play bingo or something. I want those problems, bro. Like, <laughs> that's no, that's a non-stressful situation. Yo, I'm t- yeah, you know what I'm saying? Non-stressful. So what are you doing? No, what are you doing today for your 20 plus year from now self? So when you talk about being a success veteran, bro, I wanted to ask you, we haven't even talked about this, but how do you even define success, right? And, and what does success look like for you? Before we move uh, to close tonight, I definitely wanted you to touch on that. But we we all we all have a background, and we come from, you know, beginnings that are, are are probably less fruitful. Our parents come from beginnings that are less fruitful. But for those that might need to understand that success looks different for everyone, how how do you define that? And what advice would you give folks? to put together some parameters for themselves to understand how to measure their progress towards being successful. Yeah. Um, that, that's a lot. That's a loaded one because I was going, I was going to comment about your crabs in the barrel thing, but I think. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Take care of that so, first. So, I'll come back yeah, to that. Unload the so, clip. Yeah. So no, no, no. So it, it's, it's a problem because we have, we, we've become so conditioned 
to to do things as they've always been done. And so when people have said, oh, crabs in a barrel, we keep living out, we, we live it like to this day. And I think because it's been handed down for generations that nobody has ever said or questioned it or thought about it in the way you shared, right? It's not our natural environment, so everybody's trying to get out. So have you thought about like, how big is the barrel? Because somebody started climbing the other way where somebody didn't see you. And even if that's the case, what would they do to support you to help you get out? Because ideally, if you got out, you would hope that you would just hang on at the top and say, all right, y'all, now we got a ladder. Everybody got the bucket. We don't. But we don't think of it that way because we think of things uh, in a scarcity type of mentality. So it's the um, I'm a part of a mastermind group with some of my, my people out here in the Bay. And we're all like financial people. Like we all do insurance, investments, all the same stuff, right? all the same stuff, literally. Like maybe you're better at one thing versus another, but we're all in the same. None of y'all on this on this meeting are my competition. <laughs> and then people were like, what? I said, there are millions of people just in this San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose. I said, there are millions of people who need all of us or needed all of us yesterday. So if you can just come into here thinking that you're not my competition, we all going to win. And mastermind groups are nothing new. All the wealthy people back and they did it. They're still groups today. And it's all about like, there's this abundance that I know to be true in the world. And so too many people who look like we look still feel like there's not enough. You know, everybody can get a Benz now. So we got past that. We can get, we can get past some of these material things because we're actually educated enough. Technology has enabled us to do this. But, but what I think about Destry and AJ, this is, I'm obsessed with um, our history in terms of how we used to do things. So there's a city that actually I'm going to take a trip maybe next month. It's called Allentown, California. City was self-sufficient, black run, all of this kind of stuff. And then, you know, some people came. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Poison the water. It's a wrap. It's like Tulsa being burnt down. You know, I think about all these black Wall Streets, these black cities. Um, uh, Nicodemus is another one that was in Kansas. I've been learning about all this stuff because what it shows me is that at some point in our history. They peep Central Park in New York when you can. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey. right. right. So, so at some point in our history as black people, I said they were doing it with no smartphones, no Internet, no email. I said, how come? Or I'd be like, why come? I just want to get break. Why come we can't do that now? Why come? Why come we can't just come? To, it, it's already been proven. And this is the, the, the analogy about, um, and I'm probably going to butcher, but like, I think we need to understand our history a little bit more to know that it's possible. Like, Destin, you're not my competition. AJ, you're not my competition. Like, you're not my, <laughs> you're not my comp. I don't care about what y'all are doing because it's what you need to be doing. And I know there's somebody who can relate to each one of us individually. And that's what I want to give people this, this kind of, it's, it, it, we, we got to think about it from this standpoint of, of abundance. I might not be the right fit for you, but you should give it to somebody who maybe looks like me or even a female version. <laughs> and I have a referral for you. Right. That's exactly what I say. And once I know personalities, and I'm a little fiery. I'm going to say some stuff that's going to piss you off. I'm like, I'm doing it because I care enough to even say that. And if you can't handle this tough love, because that's how I grew up, you're not going to be my client. I wish you the best. I'm going to get you to somebody who's going to say, okay, you okay? You got to be not great. You're not going to be my client. And I'm okay with that because you're going to be better served going to mm -hmm. them. You're going to be, I, I want you to be wealthy. 
I want you to disrupt generational poverty. If that does not include me, then maybe I've just played my role on this journey in your life. Yeah, it's, you're a derivative of it. I mean, it's, it. it's better to be part of the process than not have a process at all. You talked about systems earlier. We we fail because we have a lack of them, but that might be a, a episode two, but... um. If if you you I know you just addressed the crabs in the barrel, but yeah. if you could run run, run down um, the success factors or what what have yeah. you, like how do you see that? And then what yeah. advice would you uh, have for a person to maybe create a system for themselves that would help them move towards that success? Yeah, for me, and I'll be I'll be totally honest with y'all. It used to be a, a money thing for me, and that was kind of the initial fascination with like this industry was like like I can make how much money. And there's no cap and it's not illegal. <laughs> like it, it was always like a money thing for me. And I have some financial, <laughs> it was man, to this day. No, I, I get still, it. Trust me. I know, man. I'm like, here. You know, and I, and I've talked to, and I've talked to these knucklehead kids who are like in juvie. I'm like, do y'all know y'all could sell like insurance and stocks and all this other stuff and not have to worry about be better, be better at it than anybody. Would kill than like, anybody. Yo, son. Bro, yo, if you can, if you can yo, evade the police, stop it, uh, stop death, it. Stop. You can evade the police, you can evade death, <laughs> and you can you can be profitable every week. Bro, you can make 40 sales calls a day. Like, <laughs> right. Come on, yo, man. Yo, I met this 13-year-old. He was like, I get up at 4 a.m. I hit the block by 5.30. I get my, my corporate people. I was like, yo, bro, stop. I said, stop. This is the problem. You just you got a marketing them. plan and don't know. My, my God. Could, could, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't do numbers in my head, but these little knuckleheads be like, yeah, I could do this. But that, I was like, what you just made you did that math stop so, so I, I thought about you know money yes it's still a, a factor it's not as big as it used to be for me you know but now it's i have some some financial i also have some figures that success you know is right in line with these numbers and and the funny thing is when i hit one number <laughs> i add more so I don't think for me, there's going to be this, uh, to AJ's point earlier, there's no, there's no mountaintop for me. There's no plateau because when I think of success, I think of I'm going to continue to be a lifelong learner. And when I reach these numbers or figures, then it's going to be, I got to set a new goal. And, and partly, I don't know if this is good or bad, but it's part of what my dad <clears throat> kind of challenged me to do because he was like, do you want to be a one act guy or multiple? And it's not, it's not bad if you just pick, you just want to have yeah, one I, I act. Love, I, really I love that. I love that, man. Because he was yeah. like, every, every time I've had success, like even getting to A&T on a baseball scholarship, he was like, what next? That's it. That's, I swear to God. I was like, yo, when do I get a pat on the back? I ain't been arrested. I ain't got no kids. Like my job was, don't get no girls. <laughs> Graduate. You know, go stay to out of jail. Yeah. He was like, just live. Can you, can you be alive at 21? <laughs> Bro, that is that's it's so sad to be talking about this at this right. point. But right. a black father's dream is just to be like, if my son is alive at 21, I've done my job. Yeah. That is that is that's sad. That right. man, that's our that's our bar. It's, so I think success does fall in line with that too. Different of doing it the right way and not being one of the guys that shows up on American Greed. Like, that's what success means to me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a few things like wifey, like she loves more some of these these items that I'm probably going to have to invest in at some point or that she'll do. <laughs> so, so so I'm not going to say I'm not going to have the photo shoot on a random Tuesday because wifey's yeah. going to go do something. But, but I, I think success for me is also just waking up 
and knowing that I have a purpose. Yeah. Like that's success. Like waking up, one, having my health. <laughs> let's let's all yeah. appreciate that. But, but I think it's waking up and having something to get up for. Like I, I talked to too many people who were like, I'm not happy. And I said, wow, I, I don't think that's a, a material item. That could be no. a better relationship with your kids, your mm-hmm. spouse, um, you know, your, um, you know, a, a religious, a spiritual connect. It could be, I don't, it could be any of those things, but, you know, success for me is waking up and knowing that I have something to do today that's going to change somebody's life. And I've, I've gotten to the point now where I'm okay putting myself second, knowing that I could better serve somebody. Because if I give them that kind of treatment and service of like, you are the most important person right now. I'm not distracted. I'm focused on you and your goals. Now, when we finish this meeting, that's going to shift. Right. But providing that type of service and, and understanding that if I can do this and repeat this process, like that's a solid business that I can build, but also my brand and my reputation will continue to follow me, which I also think is that's success to me when nobody says anything bad about you. Like they, you're going to have to dig pretty deep to find some dirt on me. And that's intentional because the wealthiest people that I know and we'll exclude all entertainers and, you know, actors, yep. we'll, we'll exclude those for this conversation. Like you said, man, the real wealth is so quiet. It's yep. you're yep. like, can you talk? Wow, good. I can't, you know, it's, it's when you close a big deal and one of my mentors tells me, he was like, look, man, don't ever get too excited about closing a deal unless that's the ultimate deal and you're going to retire. So when somebody asks you, oh, you closed this million dollar deal, just say, I had a decent day. It was a pretty good day. Don't be overly excited. Don't go tell the world because yeah. you only as good as that last play. Yeah, it's on to the next. And I think one of the things that I heard you say was about your dad. And I think you are well equipped for that because your dad had the same like, like Jasper, you just closed the deal on the baseball scholarship. What next, son? Good job, but it's like Nick Saban at Alabama. He wins the national championship, and he literally says on national television, hey, I'm going to gonna celebrate yeah. this for about 24 hours, and uh, we're back at recruiting. it. I'm back recruiting. Recruiting tomorrow. I'm back recruiting tomorrow. And it's that mentality that separates him. That's his process. That's his system. And I think that um, I, I learned that I learned that when I left Lincoln and um, I started at my new firm, I remember getting my first, what I would call my first major bonus. Mm-hmm. And I think my response was off-putting to, quite frankly, the corporate. So the bonus I got that year was probably, well, not probably, I know exactly. It was, it was about 60% of what I made all year. And so they were like, hey, Feels good, right? Feels real good, doesn't it? I was like, I'm just going to put my head down, get back, back to work, and uh, hopefully I can do better next year. <laughs> wait, ho- wait, hold on. You're you're not happy? And I said, define happy because I'm not – you guys never told me what the minimum and the maximum was. You just mm-hmm. gave me this. I don't know if this is good or bad. I just know it's more than I got before. And once you get to a point where you don't see – you don't see it as someone doing you a favor. You you understand that you are delivering value because trust me, they will not give you the money. <laughs> they 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 won't. And so I started to understand concepts of money. And I think that's what you teach. You're teaching concepts of money. 
not get to this amount, feel good about this amount. It's the concept. Now you have now you have some money. What will you do with some? Now you have more money. What will you do with more? And you talked about impact. You talked about values. I think we don't talk about those things enough when we talk about money, because money with no value system, you're just an opportunity for somebody else. It's not even going to help your family. And so the, the things that you laid out in terms of, you know, if I could better serve others, I think those things are super dope. And those are the things that are more important. And I would agree with you. I really define my success on how many people can I assist, aid, you know, um, or help get to their next level or their next goal while I'm, you know, doing what I'm doing. Because like you said, you're not my competition. There's no reason for us not to collaborate. We collectively are better than we are apart um, for the most part. And you let people choose, right? Um, so, you know, I appreciate it. A- AJ, I don't know what you had to add, bro, but um, how, how do you really define success? I mean, you have multiple businesses yourself with a huge entrepreneurial spirit, but what what would you say around wealth and wealth building? I'm not going to add to this conversation. I'm going to let it stay how it was. Man. Y'all, look, y'all are the experts. I tell you all the time. I'm just, I'm just the guy who introduces the people who know what they're talking about. And, you know, that's it, man. You know, <laughs> but. Uh, so, AJ, I agree. I agree. Oh. No, I was saying you're definitely uh, a part of this journey to me. You know it. And I know people always like want to take the back seat. So I'm going to uplift you and be like, nah, bro. Y'all, y'all, you doing it too. So you've been around Destin enough to, it's rubbed off on you. So you might as well call yourself the expert. (laughs) Listen, man. Right. (laughs) This dude, a lot of this is his, is him kicking me in my ass, being like, so when are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? We talked about cocktails and conversations even before we started talking about brethren. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, you know, we should do it. Like, you know, we we, sh- we should really get this going. And uh, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm going to do it. He was like, yeah, you should write a book too. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And he's like, oh, and you should do this and we should do it. I was like, so, bro, who's going to be my business partner in all of this? Because you you got a lot of suggestions. And he was like, say less. And and here we are, <laughs> podcast multiple. Um, he and I trade together. We're in a trading organization together, and that was something I was going to say earlier. Jasper, we talked about sharing information, bro. When I first started trading, I remember hitting you up, and I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm getting into trading, and I have some really good mentors. I just wanted to know if this was a part of your offering or something you'd be interested in." You're like, "Listen, bro, right now my plate is full." But if I get the appetite for that or if that becomes a part of what I want to do or offer, I'm airmarking to come to you first. That's all it is. It's sharing information the same way when people hit me and they're like, hey, I'm looking for information on um, financial planning, what have you always tout you and these. And I have a guy here in Delaware that I I, um, recommend locally, but. We have to become comfortable referring each other. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be that challenging. It shouldn't be that hard. Just a simple referral goes a long way. And I think we need to do a better job of that. So, you know, Absolutely. I for one, I know AJ does it for me. I do it for him. And I try to 
do it for businesses, but um, we, we, we have to get better at doing that because inevitably, if we don't, it's that same mentality being played out that you talked about earlier, regardless of what anyone wants to call it, it's still a um, huge impediment to our success overall as a community. Yeah. And, and I'll give you one more thing too for you, for your listeners. And when you think of like, I'll be a success when my crew and extended family are all accredited investors. And I'll put a period at the end of that. And if yeah, people look, don't know what that up, look, it it up. Look, it, it, it look, that's when, you know, yeah, you get, you're there. <laughs> When you, your crew, and your crew's probably small, three to four people, like your ride or dies, who you've been rocking with, who've been supporting you. Like, I have those people in my life, and I'm like, I want to make sure that all of them, everybody else, I'm going to help, but like, it's that core group of people you're like, I, I want to make sure they're accredited. And, and I, I planted that seed a long time ago, and I learned, I was like, oh, yeah, I need friends like that who can get in on that, who can get in on these deals. And you start reading and learning more that. When you're not accredited, they're not even gonna talk. They're not even gonna holler. You can't even get in. You ain't getting the phone number, the the email. You you cannot get in unless. And I heard this from all types of investors. You know these real estate developers who were like, "Yo, bro, you gotta have ten million cash to even be at the auction." I said, "My God, I, I, I'm doing something wrong because I ain't got ten million just sitting at, at the bank account." The credit. Yeah, and that's that's liquidity. They're not saying, yeah, they're not saying in assets to, now. Keep just, y'all heard what just Jasper get, said. Just to get At to the, the auction, you can't right. even get. And, and it was a brother. He was like, "I'm one of the few brothers who's in there." So you ain't got a. They don't even question you if you're in that room because of that requirement. If you now, ain't got think 10 about million cash. Think about the difference in walking into those types of rooms. We talk about being, you know, top five, ten percent that's rare air okay like rare air and we should be in those rooms more of us should have representation in those spaces and so that's the mission that uh that jasper's on collectively you know aj and myself we have a similar mission we're mission-minded to break down barriers to generational wealth and there's no better partnership than we could have with mr bill wealth himself who is on a mission and he's requesting your assistance to help disrupt generational poverty. So this won't be the last time you hear from us as a unit, as a collective. Um, Jasper, tell them where they can find you at. Yeah, go to the thebillwealthmovement.com. Uh, go there, read about what I'm up to. Got some articles on there that I think will allow you to digest financial planning information like easily. If you care to reach out, there's a contact us section at the bottom. I always follow up because I'm always ready to have this talk on any day, <laughs> time, because I care so much, man. This is this is the reality. Like I want, I want the people that I associate with to have this level of freedom to know that when I call you and I got a deal, I don't want you to say, "Oh man, I can't afford that." Like that's that happens to us and we miss out on mm -hmm. so many opportunities. And, and I think it's part of, well, if I don't do my part to help these people, we're never going to be able to have those conversations where I text you and uh, I'll give you a real life example. So this was a couple of years back. I have an investment club and one of my guys, he's a trader, does real estate, all this stuff. And he was like, he texted us at 10 o'clock on a Friday and said, y'all trying to get in. Need 10 stacks. Like, 
but the round closed at 2 30. I was like, bro, how you gonna text somebody at 11 o'clock? And I had meetings. Now I was working on some other deals, so I couldn't pump out the cash, but I was like, I wish I had that chance to ask in another account to just do it. And that was years ago before Robinhood is where it is today. And so those are the plays that we got to start making across the, don't even say tech, just across the board. Like he's in that kind of space. He's on these newsletters. And I was like, bro, can you tell somebody a week in advance and give me at least a week, but I got three hours, but that's how money moves. You ain't got time. You either got it or you don't. There's no big facts. There's no gray area. I could have got it. I was like, I literally was working on this other deal with my lady. And um, I was like, I can't give it up because we're trying to get this crib. We ain't get it. But I was like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do that it. major move out that account. They would have flagged you in a minute. Exactly. So it was like, okay, goals, have cash. Mm-hmm. Because in case somebody calls or texts, like he did, he texted the whole group. And I was like, it black man, it's, it's, it's answering those three questions of life's most, life's <laughs> most immediate needs is liquidity, longevity, and legacy. And I'm telling you, man, like, those three buckets encompass so much. And, you know, that's a conversation that we need to keep having, but the liquidity conversation, I think for most, they just think it's about being able to address the bills at the moment. But see, having money earmarked for investment opportunities, that's how wealthy people think. That's a shift in mindset to say, you know, I got a a friend named Jasper, he may call me with a deal and I need to keep 20 to 50, on hand ready you see what ready i'm saying for the why. ready for the why hey bro i got you done like that's that. it no i had three hours i was like <laughs> life life goals at, like you said have 50 to 100 just hanging out yeah doing nothing in a bank preferably a black bank you know they need our deposits <laughs> Keep talking. i'm gonna throw that in there Keep talking. so let let that money just hang out for that day because i'm like oh man i could have been in a robber hood for ten thousand. that was it <laughs> And and that round, I think, um, going back to what you said, hopefully the listeners heard you, the accredited investor. Yeah. You yeah. understand what a round is. A round opens and closes very quickly, and you got to move. You got you to move. You can't reschedule that meeting. No. You can't be like, hey, I'm going to no. get back. No, bro. You got this is a right out. now situation. And again, that's how that's how money moves. It never sleeps. Uh, one of our mentors says it takes naps, but it never right. sleeps. Right. So, yeah. AJ, how are we going to close tonight, brother? We're going to close just like that. I appreciate you all for coming on. I appreciate, uh, you know, the, the knowledge that was dropped. Uh, and the only thing left that I can do is simply just raise my glass to uh, to Mr. Bill Wolf, of course, uh, Mr. Jasper Smith, for, you know, taking some time out of your schedule to join us and have this conversation. Uh, Mr. Wells for joining me on this. Uh, there will be many more of these to come. Uh, because, obviously, we, we, we all have a goal. We want to, we want to influence conversation to, you know, to where people start having these conversations. You know, you know, if one person comes away and says, hey, I was listening to the Bridger podcast and it was talking about life insurance, man, and now, you know, I'm thinking about it. You know, I need to take a look at it. That's that that that's that's the goal is to make this a normal conversation. Me and DJ don't do like all we do is talk about money. DJ knows my if if I'm calling him, you know, beside you know, if I if I I'm calling hey is either about the babies or some money. Yeah, that was good. Going, I bet. Right. yeah. So look, man, I'm trying to buy this boat because I'm, I, you know, I, I really want to do that. DJ be like, all right, DJ gonna hear me out. I call DJ at least once a week with a business idea, with a proposition. Right now, it's switching over to 
I want to go. I want to go back to, uh, to to buying the bank. So you know, we have these conversations, but it's normal for us, and I want that to be normal for everybody. I want I want to be able to walk into places and everybody sitting there just talking about home. Because if that's the case, everybody will be a lot happier. I think, in my opinion, it's just like if everybody if ain't nobody broke and ain't nobody down on their luck. We see what happens. You know where low crime happens. Low crime happens in places ain't, ain't nobody got no worries. Where everybody got problems, that's where crime comes into play. But here's a cheers, cheers, Mr. Bills. Well, thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. Ah. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining the Brethren Podcast Cocktail Combo, where we sit down with success veterans. This episode, we just happen to have Mr. Jackson Smith, Mr. Bill Wealth himself. You can find him on all social media under Mr. Bill Wealth. Like I said, go to uh, post the website yeah, one more so time. Let's go to the BillWealthMovement.com. That's where I want to drive everybody. Go to the website, uh, the BillWealthMovement.com. The BillWealthMovement.com. Don't find him on social media. Go to his website, people. Only, only, per, only friends and personal associates go to his Instagrams and, and Facebooks. Go to his website. Um, you can find us, however, on all social media at Brethren Partners, B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N-P-O-D. Bread, like bread, because we always talk about our bread and we always getting bread. Hopefully, y'all can get a couple of crumbs from what we had in this conversation. Uh, that's going to do it for me, A.J. Wilson, uh, Mr. Deshaun Wills, Deshaun Wills Consultant. You can find him at Empower, Engage, Execute on Instagram and dwillsconsultant.com. You can find me at King Friday, the number four, six, and you can also find me at www.mmdbgw.com. But that's going to do it for us. We appreciate you all for taking a little bit of time to listen to this cocktail conversation. Y'all have a great day.